Before I continue reading in the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians, I have an announcement that I need to make. Uh, the church will celebrate a bridal shower for Madeline Marlowe, bride of Kevin Gerganus, on Sunday, September 16th from 2 to 3.30 in the fellowship hall. Uh, so uh, please keep that, that in mind and mark your calendars for that. And we, are, and we praise God for putting Madeline and her family in our church. As far as the scripture is concerned, today we will finish the book of Ephesians. And, and as we finish this, we go into a very familiar passage. I think most people are very, uh, have at least heard of what they call the spiritual armor. And on verse 14 of the chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, St. Paul tells us, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication." To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And this is the glorious word of the Lord. Praise be to God. If you ever intend to go on a conquest, you really need two things to pull it off. First, you need a really good battle plan. And secondly, you need a really, really good army. And in the time of St. Paul, they lived in an an area, lived in an era, really, uh, dominated by Rome. Uh, Rome had started as a very small village on the Tiber River over in what we call Italy today, back in 753 B.C., and it turns out that almost instantly from the time of Rome's founding, they started fighting. Uh, And over the centuries, they got really good at fighting. First off, they started dominating just the the neighbors around. Uh, Then they came to dominate the entire Italian peninsula. And by the time St. Paul was born and by the time Jesus was born, Rome had conquered and, and ruled over the entire Mediterranean world. You couldn't go anywhere in the Mediterranean world without seeing the imprint of the Roman Empire, and especially in some parts of the empire of Roman soldiers. So everybody knew what a Roman soldier looked like. And I have to tell those whippersnappers at, at, at the university all the time when we start talking about history, there are some mean sons in history. And I'm here to tell you, at the time that St. Paul lived, you couldn't find any meaner sons on the planet than the Roman legionnaires. Uh, you had all these tribes that would try to go, get together and they'd try to t- sweep in, into the Roman Empire and they'd meet a legion or two. And once they met those legions, that was usually it. Very rarely did the legions lose any battles in the time of St. Paul. Matter of fact, they went through what they called the Peace of Rome where Rome ruled with an iron fist and nobody, could, uh, nobody was fool enough to mess with them. Or at least if they were, they didn't live very long. 
And as St. Paul had spent a couple of years under house arrest in Rome, he had become very familiar with the Roman armor because, of course, the legionnaires stayed there with him to make sure that he didn't try to run off somewhere. And the, but the legionnaire pretty much let people come and see him and so forth. So as St. Paul starts wrapping up this letter, he starts talking about the necessity of standing firm in the midst of the tribulations of life. And believe you me, back then they had a bunch of them. And nowadays it seems that we sometimes have a bunch of them as well. But what St. Paul gave the Ephesians still applies to us today. And the more we arm ourselves spiritually, the better we find ourselves in the spiritual battles that we face. For one thing, Paul tells them a very important truth. You better know who you're fighting against. Don't go picking the wrong guy for a fight. Because Paul tells them, be strong in the Lord and strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And here we go, that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. Who's the real enemy in the Christian life? Not the flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, I know. It is, it is election season in the good old U.S. of A. Used to, that's, they wouldn't get cranked up until Labor Day, and then they'd spend a couple of months pounding each other. But we all know they've been pounding on each other for a, few, for a couple of years now. And I know that there are a bunch of people out there who think these people are the enemy. We've got this political party, they're the enemy. Or we've got this group in our society, and they're the enemy. Or we've got this bunch that somewhere or other... And uh, once again, I've told y'all before, the bad part about being Scots-Irish is we're always up for a good fight. And we may try to deny it, but it's kind of like this guy I read read one time said, the Anglo-Saxon Scots-Irish are the most warlike people in history, and their enemies forget it to their peril. So we're always looking for a good fight. Well, if we're going to have a good fight, we better keep in mind that the people that we see as the enemy really aren't the enemy. It's the evil that controls them. All those folks that we want to demonize on the other side, let me tell you something. Christ died for them too. And Christ died to give them eternal life as well. And they're not the real enemy. It's the spiritual forces behind them. Now, I need to toss out a little word of caution here. Uh, I told the folks over in Sunday school so they get it twice, but that's okay. They're cool with that. And I'm cool with giving it to them twice. Back a few years ago, uh, we had a work study at Shelton State, and somebody had come to her church, and, she had, and that, this person had said, if you really want to fight the devil, you better know all there is to know about the demons and everything out in the world. And they were trying to tell them about how this demon does this, and this demon does this, and all this stuff. And that work study looked at me and said, do I really need to know about all those demons? And I told, I, I told that girl, here's what you need to know. If you go over to the book of Jude you will find where the archangel Michael, when disputing over the body of Jesus, did not dare say a thing against the devil except for the Lord rebuke you. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know about all these angels. You don't need to know about all these demons or all this other stuff. The Lord rebuke you is all it took for the archangel Michael, and that's all it takes for for Christians today. We have the power of God. He says here to be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. It's not in our strength, it's in God's strength that we go out. It's not in our power, but in His power that we go out. So we take up the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Uh, There's something that we don't like to think about. 
but it's kind of true. You go back in history in the Roman time, and every so often, all the Romans really had to do was line up their legionnaires, they locked shields together, and they let that bunch of pagan heathens come down screaming and all this stuff, and they'd try to beat up against the shields and everything, and the Romans could just stand there until they finally wore themselves out, then the Romans would just mop the field with them. And, of course, the Romans could do that because they had techniques and everything. Uh, everything that St. Paul refers to here in this armor refers to the way the Romans would fight. And once again, folks, the Romans had it down to an art form by now. Matter of fact, there was a temple in Rome, the Temple of Janus, uh, if that sounds familiar, it's the, where we get our name, January. Temple of Janus had doors that were closed only in time of peace in the Roman era. In all of Roman history, for about a thousand years, those doors closed only seven times. So the Romans knew how to fight. They had plenty of experience at it. And as we go out in spiritual warfare, unfortunately we get plenty of experience too because there's always something out there threatening us, tempting us, trying to get us off track, but we must stand firm. When we've done all else, we must stand firm so that the people can see us standing on the truth. And of course what Paul says here is to stand having fastened on the belt of truth. Well, once again, thank you, Linda, uh, the belt of truth really does refer not to some concept. Uh, When we went through experiencing God a few years ago, we heard what Henry Blackaby had to say about truth. Truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. When Christ speaks, he speaks truth. And uh, there are always these folks out there that want to say, well, there are many different kinds of truth. Um, or, well, or truth is relative. Okay, so if truth is relative, can I, can I really understand what you just said? Does it really make sense? Well, no, truth is not relative. There is one truth out there. There's an absolute truth, and it's the way God has said it should be. And once God speaks, that's it. We have no reason to go any farther and sure enough have no right to do so as believers. We gird ourselves with the truth, and then we go out. But we also put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness, what is that? Right living. And isn't it amazing how when you put the breastplate on, it covers your heart? Now, I'm sure that we've all heard that phrase before about trust your gut. Ever heard that phrase? Ever used that phrase before? Wait a minute. How are we getting some sort of feeling down here that we're supposed to trust if we know we think with up here? I can't explain it. I just know it happens. Isn't it amazing how much of the really good stuff that we do originates down here somehow or other with the feeling we get down here? And then every once in a while we get in trouble because we follow what's going on down here instead of what's going on up here. Keep in mind God didn't give us brains just to give us some extra matter. He gave them to us for us to think. And we'll get to the brain in a minute. But right living starts with the heart. And if we live rightly with God, then we will live rightly with other people and give them the opportunity to see how God works in our lives and how God can use us to minister to them through the gospel of His Son. So you have the belt of truth, you have the breastplate of righteousness, and then the shoes for your feet, you put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Nobody has peace like the Christian. Because we are told we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we are born again, 
we have a, God begins a relationship with us. Before we are born again, we're in rebellion against Him, and we have absolutely no way whatever, we don't even have a desire to try to make things right with God. But when we're born again, we're given that right relationship with Him. We are adopted into His family. And Paul says we have peace because then everything is made right between us and God. Not by what we do, but by what Christ did on the cross. When Christ died on the cross, folks, He died once and for all for all the sins of the world. That means mine and it means yours. So we have peace with God. And... I'm sure we've all experienced this with other things. Uh, if things are going absolutely bat crazy at work, and yeah, we've had to come up with a new definition of craziness at work, and yeah, because of some of the stuff going on, and yeah, bat crazy is about as close as I can come up to. Um, if everything's going just off the wall, nuts so at work, isn't it great when you have somebody there that's your good buddy that's going to stand right there with you and help you through all that? Kind of helps bring peace to a whole lot of chaos and pandemonium. Well, that's the kind of peace we have in God, and we're to carry that gospel with us wherever we go. I, I, I've told some of y'all before about my great-grandfather, who to this day remains the, one of the godliest men I've ever met in my life. I'll never forget the last time I saw him alive in 87 in a hospital room. You could walk in his hospital room, and the feeling of peace descended on everybody that walked in. And I said that day, God, I want to be that kind of man who can bring peace to troubled situations. I didn't realize, <laughs> I should have, you don't need peacemakers in peaceful times. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you're most effective right in the middle of all the zaniness. But that's where God takes us. Shoes take us where we need to go. And the shoes of peace go where the Christian needs to be to bring peace to other people through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, some of these tribes got this bright idea about tackling the Romans. You're not going to get it right up on the Romans and beat on them because when you do, they're going to kill you. Dead. Instead, we'll stand way back and we'll shoot arrows at the Romans and we'll throw stuff at the Romans and stuff like that. Well, the Romans had this long shield that would just about cover them completely. Um, no leather and plywood studded with, uh, with steel and stuff like that. And once they put that shield up, it didn't matter what you threw at it. It wasn't getting through. Unless you threw something massively huge, and you can't carry a lot of huge stuff with you. So you'd have, you'd have to have this bunch of galls or somebody like that come screaming at the Romans that throw their rocks or their javelins and stuff. And the Romans just put their shields up, and once it all bounced off, the Romans would lock their shields back together and march out and kill you. Well, that's what faith does for us. Faith helps us to quench those fiery darts of doubt. Those times when Satan wants to tell us, well, you're not really saved. Um, now, you don't really have your salvation secure. Uh, God didn't answer that prayer, so what, so what are you going to do about that? And you start, and that's where the faith comes in. You don't, look at it, you don't look at things from another perspective. You look at things from the perspective of what God has done for you in the past. It amazes me at how many times you go back in the Old Testament and God will use some prophet and the prophet will start way back in the past and recount everything he did for the Hebrews up to the present. It builds our faith for us to remember what God has done for us in the past because it tells us a couple of things. First off, if he's answering your prayers, you are born again. 
And, so, and I've had to talk, talk to some folks about this. They say, well, why don't you go out and do this and this and this with your congregation? I tell them, there are some things I'm just not willing to do. For one thing, I don't want anybody doubting their salvation in, in New Hope Baptist Church. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, live that way and live that way boldly and don't go thinking, well, uh, well, if, if I do this, I might lose my salvation stuff. Folks, your salvation is signed, sealed, and secured. Go out and live in the freedom of Christ. And let the, let the shield of faith quench the darts, darts of the wicked. And by the way, the Romans did very well with those shields. You see, it turns out that they could always lock those shields together and form what they called a turtle, and that way you couldn't get to them at all. Or they could put those shields out in front of them and march out on the battlefield, and nobody could get through those things. And there's something else I've got to talk about with the shield. Stay tuned. Meanwhile... Helmet of salvation. Here's where the mind comes in. We have this saying in, in computer ease. G-I-G-O. Garbage in, garbage out. You put garbage in your mind, don't be surprised when garbage comes out. And Paul said that salvation should help remind us that we are not our own. We are bought with the price, and therefore we're to glorify God in our bodies, which means that we take care of what we put in our minds. We put things in our minds that encourage us spiritually, that strengthen us spiritually, and we don't put stuff in our minds that's going to cause us serious trouble down the road. And by the time you get to my age, you've already got enough of that stuff piled up in your mind. You don't need to put any more in it. For the the youth, I'm going to tell you right now, start paying attention right now to what you put in your mind, and you won't have some of the trouble that a lot of the adults see, uh, see in times. And for us adults, hey, it's never too late to start putting godly stuff in. And I hope that you do. And then we have this next thing here, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword is the only offensive weapon that you'll find in what Paul says. Now, that doesn't mean I'm supposed to carry my Bible around with me, and every time I meet some sinner out there who's doing something I know he's not supposed to do, I'm supposed to slay him with the, with the, the Bible. Um, not even close. You can take one look at me and tell, I don't have that kind of arm strength. I'm not going to beat anybody very well. No, the Word of God serves to, uh, serves to defend us and also serves, to, serves for us to present the gospel to other people through the Word. And here's the thing that you need to keep in your minds. I know that with the proliferation of versions and everything, that some people say, well, we just can't memorize Scripture anymore. Too many versions out there. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't use what you don't have in your head. Get yourself a Bible... Which translation? The one that you'll read. Okay? Stick that thing in your head. And I I tell you what, go ahead and memorize a verse a day or something like that. It's not that hard. It doesn't take much to memorize a verse a day. I tell you what, I'm going to give you a pass. Go ahead and start with John 11, 35. You know what your verse is today? Jesus wept. Repeat after me, Jesus wept. (laughs) Repeat after me, Jesus wept. Congratulations, you've got one verse down. Go on to something else. The more scripture you put in your head, the more you're prepared whenever things start going crazy in your life. Especially the Psalms. Some folks will say, well, that's that's all Old Testament stuff. Let me tell you, the the Psalms occur in the gut level realities of life. And many times, if you have the Psalms in your head, it's amazing at how things can can start flowing a little bit better. This past week, uh, things were going absolutely nuts at work. No big deal. It happens all the time. But when we finally got everything straightened out, the one that came to my mind 
And of course, I had to pull it up. I had to pull it, pull it up and do it, do it a strange way. Was uh, was what, what we uh, was Psalm one thirteen in the Vulgate. It says, "Not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to Your name be all the glory." Wow, it's amazing how that can speak to you when things are getting crazy, and you start to realize that things are starting to settle down. It's not because I did anything, but because God did something that all the glory comes. Now, I've told some of y'all before, Psalm 27 is by far my favorite psalm in all the Psalter. The Lord, you know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Well, as long as I'm armed with the, with the sword, of the, uh, sword of the Spirit, uh, which is the Word of God, I don't have to be afraid because the Bible tells me of what God has done to bring other people through trauma in their lives, and it tells me he'll do it with me as well. And then Paul says to pray at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. And then he goes on to say, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, including himself, he says, because he's an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly the gospel. Now, there are a few things to keep in mind here. Um, Paul talks about the Roman armor. And every so often, some Christian get the idea, well, I tell you what, I'm going to arm up, I'm going to armor up, and I'm going to go out there on my own, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to slay the forces of evil. You know what the greatest advantage the Romans developed in warfare over a thousand years? They never went out alone. They never went out alone. When the Romans had the chance to pick the battlefield, they'd usually pick some field where they could get a whole bunch of guys lined up and they'd all lock shields together. And as you're fighting, you protect the guy over here with your shield while he's trying to stab somebody with his sword. You kind of stick your shield over there when he pulls the sword back. And that way, you're protecting the guy next to you. And you don't worry about yourself because the guy next over here is protecting you. I've told you before, it's about time for me to tell you again. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. You need a congregation in your life. You need a family of faith in your life. You need somebody to help hold you accountable. You need somebody to pick you up when you get knocked down. You need somebody to encourage you when you're in despair. Somebody to celebrate with you when you get it right. Somebody to wrap their arms around you and hold you while you sob yourself silly in times of sorrow. You need other Christians in your life. When Paul talks about praying for all the saints, he's pointing out something that the Ephesians already knew, but sometimes Americans need reminding of. Folks, we are not in this alone. And we can't expect to do it by ourselves. Because the moment we try, we're going to find ourselves just like that poor Roman soldier out there who got cut off from the rest of the legion. He's going to die. Instead, we come together. We worship together. We celebrate together. We go through sorrow together. We go through all these things together. And in so doing, we lift everybody up. Uh, the Romans didn't believe in the Texas Ranger approach. They didn't send one guy in with a whole bunch of weapons and that one guy cleaned up the town. No, when the Romans sent somebody in, they'd usually send in at least a cohort, right around 1,000, I mean 100 men, uh, or a century, at least 100 men with a, no, a centurion there. If things got really nasty, they sent a whole legion in. Folks, things were about to get really bad really quick. And sure enough, at the time of the Apostle Paul, nobody took on Rome. I think it's time for Christians to arm up and armor up and come together around the gospel of Jesus Christ and make sure that nobody takes us on. 
Not because we're going to go out and beat people upside the head with the Bible, but because we're going to go out and show them what the gospel really is. We're going to minister to others in Jesus' name. We're going to pick each other up. We're going to pick up other people that may be our enemies. No, Jesus says to love your enemies. Well, guess what? That's part of it. Praying for your enemies is a command for the Christian, not an option. And as Paul goes on here in this letter, he starts talking about how we need to about how we should declare boldly the gospel with our lives. And then he finishes up by saying he's sending Tychicus to them. Keep in mind, this guy's going to carry the letter to the Ephesians. He's going to tell them what all is going on. And then he finishes the letter pretty much the way he begins it with peace to the brothers, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. That's you and that's me. We have come to love Christ as we read in Sunday school this morning, even though we haven't seen him. We love him. We have come to, accept, to love him and accept him as Lord of our lives. We have come to want to live for him. And part of living for him means we live for one another. And we lift up each other. One of the interesting things about all this stuff with Rome is that the Roman Empire has now been gone, depending on which date you want to pick, uh, roughly about ballpark 600 years or so. Five fifty six hundred years, and if you want to go to the west, then it's been gone for a little over for no a bit longer than that. Um, Rome's gone. We'll never again see Roman legionnaires marching out from that city to conquer Europe. It won't happen again. But the church is eternal, and we keep marching out every time we leave those doors after worship. And we keep carrying the gospel of peace with us wherever we may go. And we realize that when God puts us in crazy situations, it's not because he thinks we need the craziness, but because the people in the craziness need to see a believer at work. And then he brings us back together to worship and to encourage and strengthen one another. Folks, that's the Christian life. That's the salvation lifestyle. And when Paul wrote this letter, he gave us a beautiful masterpiece of how to live it. And as you leave here today, remember that you don't go out by yourself. The congregation goes with you. Know that you don't face any trouble by yourself. The congregation faces it with you, and more importantly, so does God. And know this, no matter where he sends you, he has given you all that you will need to carry the gospel into a world and conquer sin and death through the victory of his son, Jesus Christ. In the name of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.